Welcome to the Zelda Informer Podcast, your favorite place for Zelda stuff. I'm your host, Full Metal Alfie, joined today by Spiteri. Did I pronounce that right, right? You did, yeah. Yeah. Andy Spiteri is one of our writers. Um, Nate couldn't be here today, do some other stuff, so we've got, uh, luckily we've got somebody that's that's willing to help us out. Uh, so hey. I'm trying some new things with the podcast, uh, trying to change it up from, from its typical format, um, kind of like more of a focus on Zelda stuff as opposed to just, you know, the Switch or whatever, but also uh, more focused on some stuff in the Zelda community. There's a lot of stuff I want to do and there's a lot of stuff I have planned um, that I'll be putting into practice soon. Uh, so I want to know what you guys think. Uh, feel free to leave comments like you always do, uh, debating me about evolution like you were last time, um, or just talk about Preferably, talk about what you liked and didn't like about the podcast this week and, and things that you'd like to stay, things that you'd like to change, or things that you'd like to see. Because um, right now I'm just experimenting with it and I want to see what you guys want. Because without you, there's no podcast. Um, so, that being said, the first change is, while we are going to cover news, we're only going to cover specific talking points of news. Things that can create good discussion between uh, me and whoever else is on here. <clears throat> so, one of the things that we learned... Uh, based on an interview with Aonuma, was that the game Breath of the Wild takes place after Ocarina of Time. So we know that it's not, you know, a fourth timeline split before or right after Skyward Sword before Ocarina of Time. Um, but we also don't know where after Ocarina of Time because there are three separate uh, timelines. Um, now, there's a theory by Game Over Jesse that talks about this being at the downfall timeline. Uh, for multiple reasons, and then I'll give you some information on that too. So he talks about how in this in the downfall timeline, what could have happened was Link was rescued uh, right before the final strike uh, of Ganon by the sages. Uh, in being rescued and being taken away, no one was there to stop Ganon, but he's rather sealed at Hyrule Castle, um, staying in his beast form though, since his physical body had been destroyed. Ganondorf was gone. Uh, he eventually evolved into being a pure evil. Um, <clears throat> And this kind of goes in what we've seen with the different videos of Ganon just being kind of energy uh, and it kind of devolving into that. Um, that also fits in with another thing uh, that we heard and that we read was that there's a specific dungeon with someone with the boss being named Wind Blight Ganon. Uh, it's a huge monster that has no face and a gun-like arm. Doesn't look like Ganon. Doesn't look like Ganondorf. That lends itself to this theory that Ganon is just more of a, a, an entity as opposed to a person. Um, <clears throat> and so there are different ways that uh, we could talk about this, but I kind of want to hear what your thoughts are on this before we go any further, um, just so this is a discussion more than me just talking at you. Yeah, sure. Um, I was always, once I heard it, I was kind of a, a fan of the merging the timeline theory. Um, I think if it's not the case, then the, then the Fallen Hero timeline probably makes the most sense because if I'm, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that when that's when Ganon is in his beast form, right? So definitely mm -hmm. Calamity Ganon looks like more of a urethral kind of kind of enemy that can that can kind of take form and, at will. So it would make sense to see the beast form evolve into something else, especially if he's ruled, you know, unchecked for the last hundred years at least. Mm -hmm. and that would make sense. Like I'd agree that you know <clears throat> it, it fits the downfall timeline specifically because from what we know. Ganon is more along the lines of just the manifestation of the curse of demise. Mm -hmm. um, so 
while he does take a physical form, it's more of a, a curse. It's more of a, uh, like you said, an ethereal being um, that's kind of transcendent. Um, so it makes sense that he, though contained by either the sages or the Sheikah, is more of a, a being of energy now. Um, it almost makes sense, too, because at the end of Twilight Princess, when you strike Ganon down, his his Triforce disappears, and that's that seems to kind of be the end of it. So, I mean, maybe that's mm-hmm. maybe it's left Ganondorf himself and just became this Calamity Ganon. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, w- what we do know, though, is that there is no, for, as far as we know, there's no Ganondorf. This is purely Ganon, um, which is something we don't see until... I think it's the downfall timeline um, with worth being mostly Ganon because then we see uh, uh, at, at the end of... I think it, I might be completely wrong on this. So let me look up the timeline before I completely speak out of my butt here. But mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm going to say too, uh, mm-hmm. my, my, big, uh, my big area of expertise definitely isn't the timeline. So anyone listening <laughs> to this, feel free to correct me. Yeah. So at the downfall timeline... Yeah, I was right. So you've got A Link to the Past, Oracles... Link's Awakening, Legend of Zelda, and Adventure of Link. And in all those char- uh, games where Ganon appears, he's Ganon. He's not Ganondorf. So in A Link to the Past, you fight Ganon. Um, same thing in Ocarina, or sorry, Oracle of Seasons and of Ages. Uh, well, if you played both of them and combined them, then you, you fight Ganon. Um, Link's Awakening, not so much. Um, but in the, in the Legend of Zelda, the original one, uh, you see Ganon revived again. And then, <clears throat> finally, in the Adventure of Link, you see Ganon's revival prevented. But throughout that whole thing, it's Ganon and not Ganondorf. Right. Um, where you see Ganondorf are, is in the hero successful timeline, um, which is in with Twilight Princess, um, and then obviously the Hero of Wind timeline with Wind Waker, uh, but. Like we said, he in this game he's it's it fits that he's part of the downfall timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know how, uh, so where do you think it would fall in that area? Do you think it'd be the last game, or do you think it would be more along the lines of somewhere in the middle? Uh, well, before I get to that, I actually just had an observation. It's ironic that uh, that Ganondorf isn't in the Heroes Defeated timeline because if anything, you think if Ganondorf was successful, he would be in that timeline causing havoc. So. I never really noticed that until right now. Mm-hmm. Um, if it if it is in the uh, heroes defeated timeline, um, I I would think that it makes sense to to place it somewhat towards the end. I mean, obviously we we need to know a little bit more about the story of Breath of the Wild before we definitively place it. But mm-hmm. the, everything in the game seems to be in ruins, <clears throat> so everything has existed for a long time. So to me, that just says that. You know, there are some monuments that have been visited in previous Zelda titles. So if it's going to be there, it's going to be last. Yeah. And the interesting thing on that, um, I'll bring this up later as well uh, in terms of this theory. Because this this podcast uh, right now is, is mostly going to be about theories and different theories that we've uh, got around Breath of the Wild. So we're going to have a little fun with that. Uh, may not be your cup of tea, but, you know, just give it a listen. So I think it was... Uh, might... Yeah, it was, it was HMK and Zelda Master. They're doing a two-part theory thing about the end of the cycle. Um, and we'll get to that in a little later. But in that, HMK uh, mentions that the Zelda series has always, has always had kind of a butterfly effect. And not necessarily in the choices you make, but in the fact that despite their 
being obvious differences, each game or each timeline has very similar places and very similar locations, whether they look completely different or look uh, very much the same. <clears throat> For example, in uh, Twilight Princess, you have Kakariko Village, um, and you have uh, the Gerudo Valley, you have, well, Gerudo Desert, you have all those um, different... Similar monuments and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you have, like, the Sacred Grove, which is Kokiri Forest, which you also see in A Link to the Past, although it's not necessarily called that. It's a similar place. Um, and so time hap like we talked about last week, time happens a specific way. There might be deviations in each of these timelines, but, like, monuments, like you said, are, are going to be repeated. Um, so that was an interesting thing to note. Um, so, yeah, I'd agree that it, it could be at the very end, um, after he's prevented from being revived, but it could also be right before that entire timeline starts. Um, because on the, <clears throat> on the game, uh, or on the, the game list with all the timelines on it, it's, it's called the Ceiling War, which happens right between Link to the Past. Mm -hmm. And so we haven't seen that and we haven't heard about it um, because all the games on that side weren't necessarily like very cinematic. Um, but it could happen there that that's at least kind of where my working theory is at this point is that we're going to see the ceiling war between Ganon and these heroes. Uh, uh, which well, that, would be that would make sense to kind of give us, uh, give us an explanation as to how, you know, why if Ganondorf was successful, then he's now this other being, which then turns into Ganon later. There, there's definitely a link missing in there, pun intended. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it, it would make sense. I think it's either going to be at the beginning or the end. Uh, I, I mm -hmm. think I still probably lean towards the end. But I mean, I, now that I hear it, I like hearing or I like thinking about what may have happened in there. Because you're right, we haven't really, uh, haven't really dived into that yet in the series. Yeah, and it, the the questionable thing too is that. <clears throat> for each one of these games, almost, it says Ganon is revived. Mm -hmm. So, at some point between Ocarina of Time and A Link to the Past, Ganondorf is, is quelled, or Ganon is quelled or defeated. Um, and so we don't know how, and we don't know why, we don't know what happened there. Um, and I'm thinking that this may be the game that we see that in. Of course, there's dozens of other theories out there. Um, about this, but that was kind of my two cents on where it would be placed in the downfall timeline. Of course, like you said, there's also the fact that it could unify all the games. Um, <clears throat> so, kind of give give me some more information on why you think that. It's just like, I mean, you see the little bits here and there from every single timeline kind of scattered in, right? You see uh, the little leaf dudes. Why can I never remember what they're called? The Kuroks. Kuroks, yeah. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. you, you, we've seen them. They're from Wind Waker. You've seen, uh, you know, the Temple of Time from Twilight Princess, uh, Ocarina of Time. You've seen, you've seen just kind of these different landmarks from all of the different games. Um, so, and, and it's a fun theory to think about, right? Because I mean, the timeline is, is fairly convoluted. So to bring a sense of uh, of unity to that is, it's it's definitely exciting to think about. So. I mean mm -hmm. the the clues are there. It, it could easily it could easily be that, but it could also just as easily fall into place in the ceiling war or somewhere after that. Mm -hmm. Do you think it could fall anywhere else in any of the other uh, separations of the timelines, or does it look like it's either at the end of like a, a 
to bring it all together or it's in the downfall timeline well i mean i mean that's the thing like if any if i was gonna say anywhere else i would maybe say at the very end of the hero successful timeline in the child era mm-hmm. um if only because of all the landmarks we've seen from ocarina and from twilight <clears throat> but uh you know it could let that's what's exciting about the game it could be anything could be it could be the unification could be uh just a random other story so but i think like, what we've uh, seen so far the story this this game is definitely gonna have big implications for for the zelda timeline and zelda lore mm-hmm. and like uh like anuma said it that once you play the game you'll figure out where it is in the timeline like this isn't going to be a mystery um which is surprising again because Zelda has never been, or Nintendo has never been focused on story so much as gameplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they know that this is what Zelda fans want. Uh, the core Zelda fans, not necessarily all of the Zelda fans. Um, and so we're, we're going to figure it out at some point um, where it fits in the timeline. But yeah, I think those two that we've talked about are the most viable, at least in my opinion. For, um, for what we have for evidence there. right now, it, it looks the most likely, right? And kind of piggybacking off what you were saying, but I think like even the kind of renaissance with the Zelda series and, and focusing on stories even started with uh, Skyward Sword. The you know it wasn't the most beloved Zelda title by any means, but uh, <laughs> yeah, like the the storytelling, if nothing else, was was pretty top notch, and there were some great scenes in there. So I think mm-hmm. that they're I think that they're getting it, and I think that the next couple core Zelda games will definitely have that that flair to it. Okay. So next topic then, um, I kind of want to, I mentioned Windblight Ganon um, being a huge monster, no face and a gun-like arm, um, being the boss of one of the dungeons. Um, and so there's a few implications that this brings up, at least in my mind. Uh, first, we originally thought that all the, if there are four dungeons, if there are only four dungeons, that each of the four dungeons would only have the, like the bosses would be some form of the corrupted uh, divine beasts um, that would make sense in terms of you know since there's Sheikah uh, technology and the Sheikah technology was influenced by Ganon at some point right. um, <clears throat> would the would those be the bosses of the of the different dungeons but obviously um, or from what we could tell Windblight Ganon is something completely different unless um, and here's where um one of the things that I've been thinking about is kind of like what we were talking about is Ganon is more of an energy at this point. So maybe that is the uh, divine beast and maybe Ganon, Windblight Ganon um, is possessing it. Um, I, I was going to say, like, I don't, th- I wouldn't yeah. put it past, you know, them being corrupted in some sense and turning into these, you know, calamity Ganon forms themselves. And once you beat them, mm-hmm. you, you freed them and kind of, rescue that little sector that that still makes sense to me yeah and uh the name is still confusing like a lot of people have been really confused by it um because it you know doesn't really make sense especially with what we can see from the uh the, the boss itself it doesn't look like it's part of the wind at any point mm-hmm. it looks like a giant mechanical beast with a gun arm um like they're trying to show us that they still remember uh metroid but not really um Don't bring up metroid <clears throat> <laughs> so uh, what, uh, what are cool, you though if the other bosses were like like twilight ganon or like majora ganon or something like that Ooh. never happened but that'd be cool 
Well, that is interesting that you bring that up, though, because uh, if this is completely out there, and this is probably not true, um, but, you know, the wind uh, is, is part of the Wind Waker. Um, that was literally in the name. Um, and the word blight is like a disease, it means a disease um, or an infection. So what if that's a version of Ganon from the Wind Waker timeline? Um, and then what if we fight a boss that's the Ganon from the uh, child timeline, from like you said, the Twilight Ganon, and then what if we see one from like A Link to the Past or one of the other games like being that kind of Ganon? What if the name Windblight Ganon means... This is the Ganondorf, or the version of him, or the piece of him that was in uh, uh, Wind Waker. Because also, if you notice, they never refer to Ganon in Wind Waker as Ganondorf. He's always Ganon, um, which was an interesting stylistic choice, um, which may have other implications. Um, but what do you think about that? thing that i just for, first and foremost if, if they're going that road and they're and you're battling again and from wind waker from ocarina from whatever i think that that lends like serious credibility to this timeline uh, merging everything together mm-hmm. would so be my initial first thought the second thought would be like that would be off the rails like fighting all the different <laughs> versions of ganon would just be amazing like total total fan service but just like a, a total like wicked present to, to timeline enthusiasts that have been you know obsessing over the timeline for as long as it's been around mm-hmm. uh i i would like love to see that that would be really cool uh yeah. I, I i don't think i don't necessarily think that that'll happen i think that the uh the theory of the corrupted uh, guardians is probably more likely but mm-hmm. uh that would that would be something yeah that'd be really cool that would be um, sweet if they did that, then they'd totally blow my mind with it. But like you said, that's not as likely to happen as them just being corrupted guardians, mm-hmm. sadly. Um, so don't don't get hyped up for what we just came up yeah, with. Yeah, we're sorry to, to raise your expectations up, everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably not going to happen. Um, <clears throat> but uh, kind of with that topic then, um, do, you, do you have anything else left to say on that one? Uh, no, other than I just like... Make it happen. That would that would be awesome. That would be so mm-hmm. cool. Okay, so <clears throat> I'm gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, some other theories, um, and this is also going to include the analysis and some of the hypothesizing from the Commonwealth Realm uh, character analysis. Um, and the this next one is is what I mentioned earlier with HMK and Zelda Masters theory. It talks about this game being the end of the cycle. Of course, they. Um, in the video, you'll hear that they are proposing a fourth timeline split, which comes right after Skyward Sword, which we know is not the case here. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that this can't still work. Um, <coughs> so the points that they made were they said that this would be this game could have the end of the Curse of Demise, um, and by and the only way to do that would be destroying the Master Sword, because as we saw in Skyward Sword, the the remnants of him were in the Master Sword, and it had to be sealed away in order for the um, for the power of the evil to be to be stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, and Phi was supposed to stay behind and purge the evil. But from what we can tell, every time the Master Sword is, is pulled, things only get worse. 
um, before they get better. So like Ganon uh, has more control over Hyrule in uh, Ocarina of Time and in Wind Waker things kind of get worse in that area uh, of, of old Hyrule. So <clears throat> the theory that they're proposing is that the Master Sword is the reason why things keep happening over and over and over again um, and that the decaying Master Sword is something that the story is going to be about with them trying to destroy it, um, removing the remnants of demise purposefully um, <coughs> and, and permanently from the world. Uh, so that was an interesting theory. I never thought about that. Um, what about, what about this to add sense. on to this theory and cut me off if uh, I haven't read this theory yet, so I, I'm just uh, proposing this in not knowing if they already did or not. But if you destroy the Master Sword, let's say, you're maybe you're fighting a corrupted version of Faye who maybe is responsible for Calamity again, and that'd be kind of cool too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it'd be it's it's interesting to see because we've never seen the Master Sword like this before, and it's more than just mm -hmm. uh, rusty. It's it's broken down. It's decaying, um, and it's more than just a broken version or, or a powered down version. Because as we saw in um, even Skyward Sword when we were forming the Master Sword. It was still a, a viable weapon um, in Wind Waker when it was powered down and you had to unlock its power with the different sages, the two different sages. It was also uh, still a viable weapon. You could still use it. In this one, it looks like if you tried to swing it and hit someone, it would break. Um, now, one of the things to note also is that in the trailer and, and some of the footage that was dropped today, we saw... A fully restored looking Master Sword, whether that takes place in the present or the past, however, uh, we're not entirely sure. Another little <laughs> uh, tidbit of information, too, is uh, Nintendo said in an interview, which is on Zelda Informer, I believe, uh, uh, that the there was no single weapon in the game that was uh, completely impervious to breaking. So mm -hmm. if anything was going to be completely, you know, indestructible, you'd figure it'd be the Master Sword, but yeah. maybe they're just uh, throwing smoke in our eyes, but maybe not. Yeah, maybe, like like they said, maybe this is the end of all the, the Zelda tropes that we know we've gotten to know over time. Um, and <clears throat> for those of you that are worried about this theory and don't like it, keep in mind that we've had plenty of games. I said plenty. There, there, are, there are a few games that we've seen that don't have Ganon or the Master Sword as the main villain and the main weapon. Like, you know, we've got Four Swords. Um, we've got Phantom Hourglass. We've got Spirit Tracks. You got Majora's um, Mask, which was voted the greatest Zelda game on Zelda Informer this last year, right? Exactly. So if if Ganon um, and that goes, I have every bit of confidence that they'll find something to replace it with. And who's to say that they can't make another game before that happens, anyways? So. Yeah, and also, you know, what would be interesting to see, and a character that a lot of people, for some reason, the fan base loves so much, is is Vadi, um, and. Yeah. Maybe he returns in later games. Maybe we see him more as, instead of just his handheld title, since they're combining the systems, um, and it's just more of a hybrid now, what if we see more of him? Um, he's an interesting enough character. We, we don't know a lot about the Wind Tribe that he came from. Uh, so there's a lot of a lot of mystery there uh, around in, him. Uh, even in Zelda games that have featured Ganondorf, there's been enough strong secondary villains that could carry a game. I mean, like, mm -hmm. look at Zant, uh, some of the other guys, too. That You could easily base a game off of their evil deeds, too. So mm -hmm. it might be an opportunity to, to build up some extra characters. Maybe we'll finally get a new Zelda character in Smash Bros. <laughs> so would you like to see this happen, then? Would you like to see all of those tropes 
die off? Having having just said all that, no, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about the fight with uh, with Ganondorf and the bond between the Triforce that I think is essential to Zelda. Um, uh, I I definitely like. I would like to see something substantial happen with this game, though, and I think that it will. Um, what that is, I'm not sure yet, and I think it'll change the Zelda going forward. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know that I would want to completely get rid of Demise's Curse or Ganondorf or it's or etc etc. I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to having more spin-off games kind of like Majora's Mask or uh, or any of those games too just to highlight some of the some of the other stuff that goes on in these times of lull between uh you know when Ganon attacks and when he doesn't. But at the end of the day I think I'd I'd keep uh I'd keep that at least in the series cuz that uh, that's one of my personal you know high points is is the bond between those three and how they're linked always pun again yeah and uh i i agree uh to a point but i'm not uh opposed to them making a new villain um and putting someone new in in ganondorf's place um my best example i guess of this is how for a good portion of uh, Metroid, you know, for the I think for a while, uh, you know, we Mother Brain was the big bad in Super Metroid, um, and there's always been Ridley being like a really big character. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that there's history between him and Samus, um, thanks to other M, um, which I I think the game for one of its strong suits told a good story. Um, Underrated game. <clears throat> yeah, it, it was. It had its its downsides. There I, were I plenty. I can see why those. people didn't like it, but it's, it's pretty yeah. Um, I liked the story in it. Uh, it was it was good as an early Metro game. But uh, digressing, um, in in the series, the best villain of that game wasn't introduced until way later on, and that was Dark Samus. Um, <clears throat> in my opinion, I Dark Samus was the best addition to that game series, um, and we saw Dark Samus in. Aside from Super Metroid, what is probably the best Metroid games or the best Metroid games of, of all time. Um, I think a lot of people would agree that Prime, the Prime series is amazing. Um, regardless of if you like motion controls or not, I've been, uh, I downloaded the trilogy a while back and I've been playing it uh, off and on for a uh, while. I can't play the Prime trilogy without <clears throat> the motion controls. Though. I thought they were great, actually. Mm-hmm. Like a total. Oh, they are great. Just looking around was a was a hassle mm-hmm. on GameCube days. But I, no, I, I agree yeah. with Dark Samus. It's it's definitely not impossible to create a new and compelling villain. You know, thirty years into the history of Zelda, yeah, they could definitely do it. And they've shown us before that you know even the smaller villains they can do it. And the thing is, too, is with Zora, be- Zora with Zelda becoming more story-oriented, <laughs> with Zelda becoming more story-oriented, oriented, we'll see. I'm having such a hard time with words right now. <laughs> we'll see uh, more opportunities to expand upon more different characters, um, and <clears throat> you could say that Link and Ganondorf are as iconic as Mario and Bowser, but I I disagree. Um, definitely, first off, because definitely we- not Ganondorf. Yeah, you could make that argument about Link, but Ganondorf definitely yeah. doesn't exist on a level. Yeah, no, Bowser. Bowser is as iconic as uh, any villain could could basically be in terms of, uh, I guess, modern pop culture or nerd culture. Mm-hmm. Um, like <clears throat> he, 
he and Mario, their struggle isn't really like a serious one. It's not like they're mortal enemies locked in death by a curse throughout time. There's really no story to the series anyway that also lends itself to that. But, you know, there's there's other things that they do. Like, people make jokes about it. Brawl and the Family made jokes about them playing carts together after having fought. Um, you wouldn't see that kind of thing with Lincoln and Ganondorf. Um, them getting along. Uh, <clears throat> that being said, again, he's not as iconic as Bowser is in terms of being um, a well-known villain and a villain that has that can't that link can't exist without mm -hmm. it's kind of like mario and bowser are tom and jerry or uh the road runner and wiley coyote um <clears throat> and that's their dynamic it's always been the dynamic between them but link and ganondorf first off really never had that dynamic to begin with like in uh, legend of zelda and Adventure of Link, Ganondorf didn't exist. Uh, it was Ganon and then Ganon's Shadow or Link's Dark Link. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't help that Ganondorf's in only really like a handful of games. He's been in mm -hmm. Twilight Princess, Wind Waker, Ocarina of Time, and am I missing anything else? I don't... Was he in... Because he wasn't in Skyward Sword, which is the other main... You know, main Zelda series game. He's not in Link to the Past. He's not in the originals. Uh, typically, the handhelds have spin-off villains and stories. Mm -hmm. So I, I would yeah. even argue, like, like the second most iconic character in the Zelda series is Zelda, rather than Ganondorf. Or... Yeah. If you didn't have Zelda, then that'd be a problem. Yeah. If there was no Zelda in the Legend of Zelda, then we'd have a bit of a difficult time, um, especially with the name. <clears throat> Uh, but, you know, well, there's, there's many different reasons they've talked about why the game's called that. Um, I don't think it'd be too affected, like, with spinoff titles if Zelda wasn't in the game, um, because it's still a legend that happens within that c contained universe. Um, but like you said, Zelda would be the second most iconic character, uh, out of that series. Um, Ganondorf being the last, I guess. <clears throat> so... Yeah, I had to check. Even in Four Swords Adventures, it was Ganon. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, there's there's not a lot of... It's not necessarily known... Oh, widely known. In the fan base, it's known for its its, its villains. Um, like, we, Ganondorf is a good, compelling villain. Um, he's a good foil to Link. But he's not as, you know, noticeable or as... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? His presence um, is felt in the games that he's in, but really, like we just said that there's three games that Ganondorf appears in, um, and I'm looking at two of them, Wind Waker and Twilight Princess, and I mean, really, it doesn't even show up until halfway through those games. So mm -hmm. you, you just don't have the same amount of uh, exposure that like a Bowser does, so that replacing him would be would be easier i like i still personally hope it, it doesn't happen i like that you know his his presence is kind of is, is felt but mm -hmm. i i wouldn't i wouldn't be opposed to a new villain too i mean majora's mask was one of the coolest villains i think that nintendo's ever done yeah and even you mentioned twilight princess it wasn't even mostly it was like maybe three-fourths of the way through when you saw mm -hmm. ganondorf um and zont was a compelling villain in and of himself we didn't really didn't need ganondorf in that game and that was 
lot of people's complaints actually with Twilight Princess was how they kind of shoehorned Ganondorf into the game um, for the game's story. <clears throat> so I I know a lot of people are going to disagree, but I'd be okay if they added a new villain or brought one back in the, in the form of Vadi or something where we we didn't always have to have Ganon or Ganondorf being the main villain of the game. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I I'm one of the guys that thinks uh, Vadi's a really cool villain, and that, uh, that piece of fan art, the mock fan art of him in the, the Breath of the Wild style uh, artwork mm -hmm. was, was really cool. I'd, I'd love to see him in a, in a 3D game. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> okay. So, moving on, then. the This is a problem that we had last week uh, in terms of the Rito being named in Breath of the Wild as the birds. And there's, <clears throat> I, I've been, I didn't look for this, but I found it, uh, was a, a Zelda theory on the Rito. Um, it's done by the gamer musician. And so I'm going to break down a few of the facts um, that he presents and kind of give us, it's, there's really not a definitive like fact that's like, aha, this, this definitely isn't it. It's, it's again, it's a theory. Um, as most of these are, or as all of these are, none of them are facts, um, except for the fact that they said it comes after Ocarina of Time. Um, but so, he says in the video that the Rito, the word, uh, is, is its etymology is based on the Japanese word tori, for ver, uh, bird, and Rito is um, just a, like the word order is flipped, or the letter orders are flipped, I always forget what that's called. Uh, but instead of it being Tori, it's Rito. Um, also, though, Rito is the Italian and Spanish word for rite, as in a rite of passage. And we know that the Rito gained their wings from a rite of passage by going into the cave and seeking Valu and him bestowing upon him the gift of flight. Um, <clears throat> in the, the thing that lends this to, um, in terms of the Zora and this version of the Rito and Wind Waker not being able to coexist is that in the post-Great Sea world, there were no Zora, and that the, the Rito were the physical replacement of the Zora. Um, and so for his his uh, discussion, he, he names two different types of Rito in terms of where they take place in the uh, timeline. So they're the Flood Rito, um, which are in Wind Waker, and they're avian humanoids. Um, so they're primarily human creatures, in terms of form, with some avian features like arms and uh, kind of wings on their arms, but they also have mouths um, and you know feet and hands. Uh, but the ruined Rito, which he calls the Rito in in uh, Breath of the Wild, they're more humanoid avians, so they're birds with human features. Um, I know this is a little confusing, but they have talons and they have wings as opposed to hands. Um, <clears throat> even in Wind Waker, while they, you know, Medley had wings, or Kamali had wings, they also had hands. Mm -hmm. um, and, and even in the, I think Cass is the name of the bird that we saw playing the accordion or something, um, he was using his wings to play. Uh, one of the things that he also mentions to the possibility that these are not the same Rito, was <clears throat> we know that um, <clears throat> in the same timeline, I guess, if you, because Ocarina of Time is in the same timeline as all of these, that there were two different races of Zora. So you have the River Zora and then the the Lake Zora, which are the the civilized ones. Right. Um, and so these could be 
two different types of Rito, and they're not the same exact Rito um, that we've seen before. Um, which wouldn't be, again, it wouldn't be shocking because we've seen two different species or two different types of the same species before. Um, so that I, I like that theory because I cleared up a lot of stuff that I had a problem with um, with them being the name Thorito. But what do you think about that? Uh, I like the theory too. It, it doesn't uh, it doesn't necessarily answer the question or like the the uh, the mystery of why both the the Rito and the Zora are in because that seems to be um, that seems to be a paradox that they can both exist in that world. So. If anything, I think that that would probably give more of a, more substance to the unifying the timeline theory. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I do like the theory though that uh, I hadn't really thought of that either. Uh, but that there were two different uh, there are two different types of Zoras that there could be two different types of Ritos as well. Uh, when I first saw them, I I was just picturing them as a complete new species actually because they yeah. they looked similar but they had <clears throat> enough differences. So, um, but now now I'm definitely I'm curious to see where it goes but uh, I don't know if that would quite do it for me in, in answering the question of how are these yep. two races you know both here mm -hmm. and kind of going off of that then um, since these are kind of the same um, in terms of you know char character discussion um, we'll go ahead and just talk about the Commonwealth Realms one um, bit by bit but they also talked about the birds that we're referring to that are they named the Rito um, that they look kind of like you know the only other birds we've seen in the series are the loft wings and so their theory was that these birds are descendants of the loft wings um what are your thoughts on that one because well when i first saw them i thought they looked like loft wings too <clears throat> that was my that was my immediate uh, response and I, I think the first trailer we saw with the thorito or the bird people was at the game awards and uh, when I was watching that, I was like, "Oh, Skyward Sword Loftwings have evolved." So, mm -hmm. I, if if anything, uh, I I think that that would have been a better explanation for me is that maybe the the Loftwings have evolved and and you know become the a race in their own right. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's nice to see the tie-in there. So, uh, it's interesting to see if they'll if they'll go forward with that or not. Yeah, and like uh, you said that. This also lends itself to there being a um, <clears throat> more unification of the timelines. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people chalked up this game to being right after, you know, on the child or the adult timeline because of the Kuroks and the Rito. Um, and it wouldn't make sense, uh, like, thematically for them to introduce a new species into the game based off of an old species. Um, especially if this was to take place at the end of all the timelines. So we've had, we've never seen the Loft Wings, except for in Skyward Sword, and now all of a sudden we're seeing them again um, evolved. Kind of doesn't make sense. <clears throat> but of course, you know, this this all relies on timeline placement and um, in terms of that idea, and so it's all a little confusing. Uh, we don't really know when this game takes place, except in one of the three timelines or in all of them. Mm -hmm. definitely, um, definitely confusing, for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, he also goes on to say that or they do that uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting was that the Kuroks aren't an evolution of the Kokiri children um, in that the Kokiri are more of a, a spirit like they're spirits that take on the form of whatever suits their survival mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so in, a, in, in the flood world or the flood timeline 
they took on the form that they did for their protection um, and for their survival. And so, you know, kind of reason this out. As, as children, they're not really durable. So they're not going to be able to survive very easily against, you know, creatures or monsters. Um, but as, you know, these solid wooden creatures, they're able to, you know, take the form of something that, that can resist being attacked um, a few times, maybe. Um, again, this, you know, it's kind of a stretch, but <clears throat> do you do you think that they're more of an evolution, though? I personally term- always consider them an evolution rather than... Uh, I mean, my my biggest stomach and poke a hole in that theory point right now is, like, if they could take on the form of something that uh, protects them, why wouldn't you take on the form of something aquatic to to be in the Wind Waker world? Which is actually mm-hmm. ironic, too, since, like, Zoras would have been the best fit for that world, yeah. and they're the only ones that that uh, apparently got left in the dust by evolution. But yeah, yeah I, I like to think of it more of an evolution. I think it it makes more sense to me because if they're just, you know, if they're if they're taking on other forms, I'd expect to see like a school of, uh, you know, Karak fish or something like that rather than the, what they were in Wind Waker. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I see that. Like the whole idea that of, of the evolution that they pose in these games over and over again is really confusing because like you said, the, the Rito doesn't really don't really make sense in terms of how that evolution worked mm-hmm. um, because the Zora are basically the perfect race. They can survive on land. They can survive in the water. Um, Who really seems the, out of place is the Gorons. Yeah. If anyone, you think that they wouldn't be uh, kicking around still. <laughs> yeah, on their, their floating rafts yeah. around everywhere. And um, somehow Tingle still made it too. Yep. So maybe it's in the child timeline because Tingle was in when we were out. It's it's all confusing. I think Tingle's um, like an interdimensional time traveler <laughs> that can just go wherever he wants to go. Calamity just making Tingle. Maps. <laughs> That's the real villain of the Zelda <laughs> series. Uh, some other things to note about this Commonwealth Realm video was that we saw um, a Gerudo town um, in the desert. So it was a well-developed town. It had walls. Um, there was Gerudo life. Uh, they had um, <coughs> water there. Um, and they have some theories on this girl, too, um, that, that's accompanying you. All, all the videos that we're talking about are, are linked down below. Sorry if you're only listening to this as, as uh, audio. Um, but I'll have these four videos, um, or, yeah, four videos linked below so you guys will know, you know where we're getting all this from. <laughs> also, in any news that you guys want to know, check on our website, too. Um, but overall, basically, the Commonwealth Realm talks about the different uh, species that we see, the different characters that we see. Um, one of the interesting things that they noted, too, um, that I kind of want to talk about a bit, was that there appear to be two different types of Sheikah. Um, there's the Hylian-serving Sheikah, or Loyalists, that are in the shrines, and then there appear to be others, like in the video that um, Game Explained posted, where Link's fighting one, um, being kind of a defector, um, being opposed to Hylia and to the kingdom, um, <clears throat> and those being two separate like factions. So what are your thoughts on that one? 
that it it might it might make sense in a in a way maybe Ganon has corrupted them. I just I would definitely need some uh, some more context as to where the Sheikah you know dissolved because I mean their main charge is to protect the royal family and that's what they've been doing for generations in every Zelda game that we've seen. So for them to stand against uh, the royal family would be would be pretty strange in, in the face of their history unless like unless like you, maybe calamity ganon has uh you know infected what's left of the royal family and it is issuing orders or something like that kind of like a kind of like a lord of the rings thing when theodon got uh, infected but other than mm -hmm. that i would need i'd definitely need some context to, to wrap my head around <coughs> that one yeah and that's that's kind of true for pretty much everything in this game um is that we need to see more context and more um, <clears throat> that, basically yeah, more absolutely. of the story. Like, nothing, nothing really makes sense now. I'm sure that it will, but from the small pieces that we've got, um, you know, we're talking about we're talking about things from one timeline, and then you know, Croc's <laughs> from one. Doritos. We're talking about the the Temple of Time from the from the successful timeline. We're talking about things from every single version of this, and then we're even talking about things that happened way back when in Skyward Sword. So it's just. Uh, it definitely has the elements of every single game so far, so it's hard to put a point on it. So I'm and I'm I'm surprised that Nintendo has said like so definitively like you're going to be able to tell where this one goes in the timeline. So that's it. It sounds pretty like something pretty bombastic is going to happen. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be very well explained. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, it, again, like this. Again, we, we've talked about this before, that this Zelda game is... Um, first off, they're breaking all the conventions with this game. And most of all, in my opinion, the thing that I'm looking forward to the most is the story of the game. Um, because I'm, I'm a huge... I love stories. I love uh, mm -hmm. I'm, dissecting I'm a huge, story uh, like RPG fan as well, which are based off mm -hmm. their awesome stories. So the last couple the last couple games where Zelda's been uh, stepping up its game in terms of the way that it tells its story and the cinematic approach is just been mm -hmm. awesome and this game looks like the the culmination of all that yeah it's it's gonna be interesting to see where it plays out of course i'm you know i'm getting it day one um whether or not that's a good financial decision mm -hmm. um I feel <clears throat> and i i'll i'm looking forward to playing the heck out of that game um until i pass out from exhaustion <laughs> um and hopefully and we'll find out more whenever that comes out um we'll definitely be talking about it a lot on here um so kind of wrapping it up then um so we talked about all these theories talked about uh, some of our opinions on them um <clears throat> but based on what we know and based on um seeing videos and seeing um you know people explain and break things down what are you most excited for for breath of the wild sorry you cut out the last part there Oh, sorry. Where am uh, I? What? Based on, what are you most excited about for Breath of the Wild? Oof, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> it, it, everything, obviously. I mean, this has been like three years in the making. But mm -hmm. um, no, I'm I'm excited. If you ask me right now, what I'm most excited for it's the story to see what is going on. What's up with the blue tunics? Why is everybody wearing it? Uh, who are all mm -hmm. these different people in that trailer? You know, how are the Zoras and the Ritos in the same place? What is Calamity Ganon? Um, and, then, and then I'm excited for, you know, 
getting getting lost in a world where you know you can literally go anywhere do anything i uh i i get kind of burned out of playing open world games a lot of the times um Mm -hmm. a lot of times i think there's just too much to do that doesn't mean a whole lot but this is taking that concept but giving it to me in my favorite series with my favorite you know conventions in the series and and updating them and just being able to to learn that and and get lost is like uh they you know i often say like when the day of zelda game comes out it's better than christmas because christmas comes once a year and (laughs) zelda comes like sporadically over the years you know Mm -hmm. so uh i'm just excited for the experience i guess would be how i would put it yeah i'd agree with the story um aspect but One of the things that I, I'm looking forward to about this game is more kind of like an idea, is that I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how intentional Nintendo's been with this game. Um, because Nintendo, despite what people talk say about them and their graphics, they're they're every detail of their games matters. Um, in, in like big series games like this. Um, well, that's not, why they take not, so long to, to put out, right? If they didn't, yeah. you'd have it Assassin's Creed style or you'd have a Zelda every year. Yeah, like uh, again, I was playing Metroid Prime, um, and I've been playing three, and watching everything move and watching the different pieces of technology interact with each other, um, and how you know things. Um, <clears throat> I guess it it kind of like you know in Transformers, the first time you saw a Transformer transform um, in the first movie, it was like wow, that was kind of cool to see that happen, to see how all the pieces like reconfigured and stuff Mm -hmm. um and a lot of that happens in metroid prime and seeing how um things move and seeing how they all fit together um in a physical sense um and seeing that kind of intentionality and attention to detail in breath of the wild um is really exciting because not only are they um, paying attention to every detail in graphics but based on what we've heard they're paying every attention to the detail in the gameplay every attention to detail in the story um, and side quests and towns like this. This will be the most detailed game, fleshed out game that I think Nintendo's ever released. hundred percent um, agree. Yeah, it, it, I'm just looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to see how, like even the small details, like we were talking about with uh, the grass. Uh, like I went back and played Wind Waker HD today, uh, just to just to like put it in perspective um, and seeing the flat texture of green with like patches of grass just kind of seemed off to me after having seen and played parts of breath of the wild where grass was everywhere. And it was like a, an actual thing. It wasn't just like patches here and there. But I wrote um, a story last week that, uh, that <coughs> Nintendo hired, uh, an animal like expert to make sure that, uh, the horse hoof sounds were on point. Like that doesn't tell you everything mm-hmm. you need to know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that kind of detail that, gets me excited for this kind of stuff because and it's as much as we've been waiting for this game to come out forever i'd rather wait for a finished polished game where every detail matters than a rushed game with features missing um or the game just feeling empty absolutely Um, (coughs) and i think at the end of the day everyone else would agree with that is you know i as much as it sucked to wait for this game for so long you know, it's going to be well worth it when it comes out, and we're going to see how Nintendo has poured their entire, you know, soul into this game. Mm-hmm. 
Well, one one other thing that I'm really excited for with this game is uh, I'm a big uh, I'm a big fan and a study, I guess, of Nintendo and their history in gaming and, and Zelda series in particular and their impact on not only the game industry but like the history of you know the medium as it goes forward. So I've wrote a couple times now saying that I think that this game is the most important game that Nintendo's ever done, like bar none. So mm-hmm. it'll. It, one thing I'm looking forward to is not the immediate um, aftermath of Breath of the Wild, but like slowly watching the results of that game come in and seeing how this game <clears throat> shaped the launch of the Switch, which then shapes Nintendo's future in making hardware, which then kind of spirals and has that effect onto everything else that we that we know and love about Nintendo and the Zelda series in particular. So I'm I'm quite excited to see that as well. Yeah. I agree. Like it's it's going to be interesting because <clears throat> when Nintendo puts out something like this, um, they revolutionize how other people make games. So, Ocarina of Time revolutionized games um, in terms of how they were made, how they were played, um, what they looked like, what they did. Absolutely, um, that, that's set as an industry gold standard for that game. And a lot of people really take uh, for granted a lot of the things that Ocarina of Time did. Before that game came out, there was no lock-on mechanisms, there was no context-sensitive buttons. Like a lot of a lot of stuff that was in that game just became industry standards like that, like overnight. Yeah, and so Nintendo's taking on a, a brand new area for them. They've never done a truly open-world game like this, and I'm interested to see their take on this genre because. They're going to add their own twist to it. They're going to add their own nuances to it. That's going to be something different than what we've seen before. Um, and I, like you said, I want to see how that affects other games going forward, whether that's other Nintendo games or other you know, Sony, Microsoft, third-party games going forward. Um, <clears throat> because in a lot of games, a lot of um, uh, third-person or first-person adventure games or open-world games... You can see Zelda's influence in those games. Um, you could see some more directly, like an Ocean Horn, which is like kind of a a parody, not a, like a, a joke parody, but kind of a parody off of Wind Waker. <coughs> but you see them set these standards, and you see the industry try to match with them. Because at the end of the day, not everyone's going to enjoy Uncharted, or not everyone's going to enjoy The Witcher. But at the end of the day, almost everyone can pick up a Nintendo game and play it and be content with it. Um, that's one of the things that Nintendo's always had up on the comp- or on the competition, is that they're very accessible to other people. Um, and I, I'd like to again, like you said, I'd like to see how they radicalize what they're doing. I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, I I definitely can't wait to see. Um... No secret that Nintendo was in, you know, worse shape after the after the Wii U's life cycle than the Wii's life cycle. So uh, this game is going to be extremely important for them to get back on track. So I, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, seeing the impact of this game. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so any any closing thoughts on anything we've talked about today? How many days is left? Like 24? Yeah, something like that. 24. Let's... My only closing thought is this, listeners. Should I go to the midnight release and pick up Zelda, or should I wait until the morning and be fresh so I can play all day? That's my only, oh, that's my only thoughts. That's a Friday. It's a Thursday night and a Friday. It's a Thursday night and a Friday, yep. <clears throat> so, let's see. 
I won't have a Greek quiz that week, so I think I'm skipping that day of Greek <laughs> and just playing it all the way through. Not all the way through, but just playing the day away with that game. Mm-hmm. I so have, yeah, I have five days booked solid <coughs> just to play Breath of the Wild. Took it, took it yeah. off from everything. I don't see why not to go for it. Just go, go to a midnight release. I'm probably going to do that. Pick up Switch. Pick up the game. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you guys want to buy it on Wii U, that's fine. Um, no, no problem there. But this is this. If you've, if you a, if you've ever played a Zelda game, b, if you've ever played a Zelda game but you've fallen away from the series. Or if you played the game and you're still a fan of the series, you need to get this game. So, <clears throat> basically, if you've ever heard of Zelda, you need to get this game. Um, and if you're a fan of open world games, all the better. Because this game is going to be amazing, based on everything that we've heard. Uh, I hope so, because the expectations for Breath of the Wild are extremely high. Be higher. Exactly. So this game needs to set the world on fire. Um... Otherwise, we might see uh, some trouble. But I have no doubt in my mind that this game is going to be amazing. Um, from the short demo I've played to all the stuff that we've seen, um, I'm I'm super pumped. Yeah. So, yeah. What more can all you right. say? Hurry up, March 3rd. <laughs> exactly. I mean, just sleep until March 3rd, you know? <laughs> Alfred, wait, <laughs> open your eyes. Wake up. Yeah. All right, well... Thank you, Andy, for joining us this week. Thanks for having me. No problem. We'll see you guys next week. And like I said, uh, make sure to leave any feedback you have about this week. Obviously, this isn't going to become the standard for every podcast. Uh, but this is just something fun that I wanted to talk about. Just a bunch of theories about the game. Um, so we'll see you guys next week. And have a great weekend. This will come out on Friday. See ya. Bye. <laughs>